Hello everyone, we're here at Performance Incorporated with Joe Garofalo, who's going to tell us all about this uh, fancy exercise place. Um, okay, well, so Performance Incorporated, let me begin where it began. So when I was younger, I was obsessed with being a pilot, and um, I wanted to be a pilot like up to like maybe 10 years old, and then I found out you needed glasses. I needed glasses. And then I realized <laughs> I couldn't be a pilot, and I was like so bummed out. That happened to my dad. <laughs> yeah? Same so thing? He was... Uh, uh, what do you call it? The uh, colorblind. So oh, I, couldn't couldn't do it. Yeah. I was so bummed out. So I went down to my basement. I tried to figure something else I, else I'd want to do, and I did like performance performance of, of planes at that time, and I thought about you know human performance and and working in terms of like working with the human body and performing. But back then there was really not much of that going on. So um, I kind of thought about it. And I let it go, and then uh, years later my. I went to my cousin's house and I lifted 25 pounds over my head and I and he goes, God, you're strong. And I'm like, yeah? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, are you serious? So, of course, I'm like, wow. So, I'm like, Dad, you got to buy me weights, you know? <laughs> and then he bought me a 110-pound weight set. I just sat in the corner by itself and I looked at it's it. The old uh, weeder set? <laughs> Plastic. <laughs> he's like, what are you going to do with this? I'm, I said, I'm going to lift, you know? So, I lifted um, as a young kid and I just kept on lifting and lifting and lifting. And it started to apply my interest in performance to human performance, you know. I tried to get every book I could back then to read about it. Um, of course, my coach took one of my favorite books. <laughs> so I don't know. Out of University of Hawaii. Anyway, so um, what I did is I ended up becoming an athlete in, in football. And I started participating um, in wrestling also. And I was very successful. And mainly because I was just strong. I started at a young age. I was very strong. And from that strength, I got a lot of confidence and a lot of accolades in sports. And uh, that's how I got my whole start in performance training. Now, you, you also played college ball, right? No, I did oh, not. Did? No, I, I, went, I went to the University of Nebraska for academics. People were like, no, it was for football. Fordham wanted me to go for football. But Nebraska had said they didn't recommend it because it's a big school. They didn't recommend it went out there. But I went out there for education because they had one of the top strength and conditioning programs in the country, right? Oh, probably because of the football. Yeah, the whole thing. I mean, <laughs> right. in 19, 1978, uh, NSCA was started there, and then uh, I got there in 1980. So it was a perfect timing. So I wanted to go for academics, you know. And um, it was a great education. And when I came out of Nebraska, I, I realized this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to combine, you know, uh, exercise and nutrition to enhance human performance. So what did you do? You didn't start this right away, did you? Or what did you uh, do at the beginning? The, I, in the beginning, I started a company called Diet Pros, which is all about, like, you know, nutrition. And then I realized I wanted the other half of it, which was the human performance side of it. And that's when I went into Performance Incorporated. And so what year did you uh, did you start this company or this place? Um, that's a good question. Well, see, first I did private practice nutrition for eight years. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I started... Performance Incorporated, so like 1990, maybe. Okay, all right. So that's like 30, 32 yeah, 30, years. Yeah. yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. So I'm sure you learned something in 32 years. <laughs> and I've had everybody. I mean, I've had from like athletes to people who are older, people who have different type of um, challenges to overcome. And no matter what they have, you know, applying performance training has been something that they really uh, appreciate it and they really gain from. And so did I by watching them.
And if anyone hears any noise, there's people actually working out to the left of us. <laughs> <laughs> anyone dropping weights, that's, that's the noise. <laughs> no one's getting hear. beat up in the back. Yeah, no one's getting beat up in the closet. It's just people working out, and we're in the office talking about it. <laughs> so uh, did you start with the athletes first, and then you got into the other stuff, or what did you get started with first? I started with the athletes first, but then other people started to come, and I started taking on other clients, and it just grew from there. And then it would be, you know, one hour I would have uh, a high school linebacker walk in the next hour an 80 year old person would walk in the next hour you know and that's how it was it became very eclectic and mixed but that background i mean i learned so much from everybody you know that i applied to, to each of their own uh, areas so what are the what was, is the biggest change from let's say 30 years ago to today that you noticed in, in well, how 30 years ago the information really wasn't as available as it is now so most people that had any information from a coach, they just listen to somebody and they train with um, what that information was. Or magazines. Magazines, muscle fitness. <laughs> and then came the, the advent of the personal trainer and the strength coaches who came on the scene. And they started to train people. And I think one of the biggest changes that's happened is that um, kids have learned just to go to their, their strength coach or to their personal trainer for a session or their sessions, and that's it. Where prior to that, the athlete was doing everything on their own. And so it gave a different type of an, of a, of an athlete, you know? And when we look at what we're going, what's going on today, I always tell kids, what you do with us is only part of it, but you still have to train on your own because there's something about that searching in your soul that you do when you do stuff on your own also. So I think the biggest change is that back then, it was like you were kind of on your own for the most part. And today, there's people leading you and some of the kids don't look on their own. And, and if you... Um you're on your own and you kind of get uh, developed any bad habits you probably brought them with you and you have to undo that and then teach right. you from this crash right? right there was no way to, to really rectify it until you got maybe it was too late or too many too many reps doing the wrong thing you know back in the older days today we can correct it but then we have to hope the kids do more reps to get it in you know but it helps to learn the right way and, and absolutely not get into bad groove so to speak and then develop injuries or Right, practice, practice perfect go. idea, yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm sure many of shoulders were injured doing silly stuff. <laughs> oh, the, the, in the area of weight training, I mean, there's been so much that has changed um, in terms of how we apply different loads to people and how we um, apply rest periods for them to recover and nutritional uh, type of strategies that are out today. Just you can't even compare it to what was that back then. Yeah, it was more trial and error. Just try to see what works, and if you didn't hurt yourself, it's okay. <laughs> he looks good in the magazine. Yeah, yeah. You know. But performance was always interesting because I, I, I always noticed that performance was a different aspect than just bodybuilding. You know, in the books I would get, I got one from the University, University of Hawaii, which is, a, which is a great book on, on you know, doing power cleans and Olympic lifts and speed development. And I was very fascinated by that. And I saw the difference between that and bodybuilding. And I wanted to know more about that performance training. Well, there's a huge difference between there's somebody dropped in the back, but <laughs> between looking good and being able to actually do what type of sport you're doing or activity you're doing, because you can look good and be just not able to. I mean, many people look much better than Tom Brady, but how many can throw the ball like that? Right. Well, the idea is that if, if you train for bodybuilding, you get a good body, but you may not be able to perform. But if you train as a performance athlete. Um, you'll be able to perform when you guess what you also get a good body so that's it's becoming very um, accepted today it's for everybody to performance train i think the new york times had it a few weeks ago about, about performance training being the future of how people are going to train well it's a different goal 
Yeah, yeah, depends that's on what your point is. What, what are you trying to achieve? And that's so you have to tailor what you do to whatever your client's goals are. Right, right, what their, what their interests are. But most people, when you get down to it, even if they're bodybuilding, they have to be able to move and have fluidity in how they move on stage. And so mobility is important, flexibility is important, um, even for bodybuilders, you know. But but for athletes, we absolutely need that. We cannot have an athlete that's that's being stiff. I mean, you never see – every boxing trainer years ago would come out, they would almost be like this when they saw a trainer because they would think, yeah. don't make my fighter tight, you know. But now we know – um, as strength coaches, that we need to improve power and performance, not just getting them massive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a guest. Hi, Alexander. You want to come in and say hi? <laughs> what kind of show? <laughs> you want to join us as the youngest member of the gym? <laughs> you know, oh. wave. Just wave, wave to that thing over there. Oh, thank- that thing over there. Oh. Actually, like TV, huh? So what uh, what type of services do you provide, and what what type of clients do you do you deal with on a regular basis? We have a diversity of clients. I mean, we have everyone from like uh, young young kids to old folks to people who have uh, physical challenges to people who are you know high school and college athletes. Um, but we offer services that I think will meet their needs. So, for example, strength and conditioning helps them get stronger. Right, mobility flexibility helps them move. We have boxing for um, actually for building self-confidence and self-defense with Champ, who's unbelievable. Uh, Michelle is, is a great at yoga. She's been studying it her whole life, and she brings a whole unique uh, twist to um, how to breathe and, and how to work with the vagus nerve, and uh, she's just unreal. And um, we are also working on bringing someone in for dance because I believe that building confidence for young kids is important. So bringing dance in, whether it's for a kid or whether it's for somebody who's just trying to um, work on Parkinson's, it's, it's just a great adjunct to the program. So what's the percentage of athletes versus non-athletes that you, that you have usually? It varies. I think right now maybe it's like, like 25%, 30% athletes. And the rest. Okay, so you do mostly is like regular. It, now, it is now, but it changes. Like as, now we're coming out of football seasons, and those kids come back in. So it always fluxes, you know. So if I if I come in as a client and I want to get started, let's say, mm-hmm. either as a regular person, as at whatever, what kind of packages or how do you offer? Do you offer single sessions? Do you offer like packages? How does that work? Um, typically, the first time you come in, we do it. Um, an orientation. We'd show you what we do, make sure you like like it here, make sure things are a good fit for us. It's a try fit. And if things work out really well and it thinks it's gonna we think it's gonna go forward, we then bring your first private in. And that's to catch you up on all the basic fundamentals. And if you really are good at them and you know those fundamentals, we can advance you on to other programs. If not, we keep you in private a little longer. But when you go into other programs, we have uh, small group training. We have team training where you, you actually train with, with, with like three or four people as part of a team, which is kind of neat. Um, and we also have uh, co-training in privates, too, if you want to stay with that. So so you don't have to commit. You can just come in and get an intro thing and then see what does this fit for you or doesn't fit right, you. Right. You come in and you see, you know, this, if this is the right fit for you, what we do, because we, we do a lot of metrics here. So we look at a lot of performance parameters. So it's definitely evidence-based, you know. And um, you have to see if you like the, our style, how we're doing it, things here. And if you like that, then we just have to make sure that you have the skill set to go into the level that you want to go into. So if you want to go into team training, you need to have a certain skill level to, to be trained with five people. 
But if you don't, we work with you privately until you have a decent skill set, and then you can go to, to a, a larger group. That makes sense because you don't have people of uneven skills working right. at the same time. So you want to keep them on the same level. You end up yeah. doing a private with that one person during a group session, so you don't want to do that. No, yeah, it doesn't make sense. They have to be in the same, roughly same. And, and we also we also use Team Builder, which allows us to create workouts for them, even if they're not here, if they want to go somewhere else and train at another facility or on vacation. They have those workouts all designed through us, and we see it back in real time um, through Team Builder. Well, Team Builder is a software. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a software. It's used uh, a lot in the NFL, I think, um, um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers use it. Um, it's used a lot in the pros. It's because it gives you a lot of data on that side of it. So if you want to analyze, like you know, the attendance rates, if you want to analyze completion rates, uh, volume load rates, which is how much how much weight you're moving, we can look at all that and determine um, where our clients are going statistically. Then people have access to the website with all the data, and they can even they're on vacation, they can log in and, and put their yeah. own. Yeah, they, they can do a workout at whatever gym is yeah, in a hotel yeah. or whatever, and they, yeah. can, they can keep it. They up. can text us back and ask a question, you know, or just send us pictures of the gym and how, how can we modify the workout for this mm-hmm. this place. That's it's certainly you couldn't do that back in the nineties. Yeah, so I mean, it's whatever, whatever, really, they, whatever they really need, you know. Um, some people come in just to learn the fundamentals, then go on Team Builder. Others come in for team training. Team training um, is something I want to credit Ryan Higgins for. Ryan brought that in a while back, and he felt like we, he wanted to train people more than twice a week, and to make it affordable, uh, we just had people all split that together in a small team, and they all work together toward goals. It's great. It's a great program. Um, that makes sense because it's. Certainly more affordable to split it that way, and it's more yeah. efficient for him. <laughs> yeah, much yeah, and we see better results with it, too. Right, so that's cool. And it's always nice to have more than one person. Yeah. Having a training yeah. partner is mm-hmm. helpful. Yeah, people know someone's going to be there, so they have mm-hmm. to be there. Yeah, yeah, and it keeps you in a pace, too, because if, you, if you're working out alone, you can take a three, five-minute break. <laughs> yeah, and one of the things that we, we do, I mean, people have to be serious about being, about being here because, you know, if you come in here and you're not really – doing the right thing, you're really taking from other people's workout. So we screen that out very quickly. So everybody here, we have a good time, don't get me wrong, but they make sure they get uh, their work done. And we, we and we guarantee results, it's, it's 100% guaranteed. So it's a result based because you you keep all that data. Now besides mm-hmm. uh, Team Builder, which is software, but you have to enter the data. What do you use to measure, like perform, like what, I mean, besides just knowing if it's 20 pounds, 30 pounds, that's right. easy to keep track of. But how about, uh, let's say, speed or, or mm-hmm. whatever? So for speed, we use photo gates that give you an actual time, um, which is hard to really get a fast time on because it's really accurate. And we use photo gates for sprints. Um, we use vertical jump pad for um, measuring the vertical jump, which is also very accurate. We use calipers for body fat testing. Um, and we use something called BioBit for measuring balance and their ability to move uh, and their range of motion and joints. And it's done... Um, with with an accelerometer that you wear, and as you move around, the accelerometer picks up the rate that you're moving and how you're moving, and gives us information back. So we really see. As a matter of fact, we had one guy who had really bad balance, and he worked hard at it, and his balance got really good. And then he stopped doing it for a couple of months. We went back to testing him again. It was like completely bad again. So we learned that you got to continue to do balance if you want to keep your balance. Yeah, you yeah. know, use it or lose it kind of. Thing. Yeah, it's not like with kids where they have balance, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. You have to keep but, doing it. Yeah, and you know, but once people realize that, they go, "Okay, I got to keep balancing." So they use it for active rest in between sets. They'll work on a balance drill. Do you do a lot of balance work with the elderly? 
Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's important. Um, yeah, you'd be surprised. I mean, we have a big problem um, with people falling. Mm-hmm. And typically, we lose muscle mass, we gain body fat, we lose strength, we lose agility, coordination, and then finally with that comes loss of balance. And so to bring that back and keep these people moving and balancing is a very big thing, whether it's someone who has Parkinson's or just someone who's getting older. Yeah, well, that's always the case. Somebody falls, breaks the hip, breaks this and that, and it's all downhill from there. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Columbia did a study not too long ago, and we're looking at the fact that a lot of times the hips break and people fall. So bone density is another thing that we do here. Um, we work very closely with their doctors, and we take a look at um, where their bone density score is on their DEXI scan, and we track very closely to where their scan is, is after training them on a, on a strength protocol. Um, well, weight-bearing exercise it would help. You bone keep the calcium deposits, all that stuff. Yeah, and we, we, we go heavy, too. We go heavy with, with even some older folks. We go pretty heavy with certain things. Um, and so it's very interesting what people are doing now, which they didn't do years ago. You know, if they were When they were older, they just got older. But now people are doing some pretty cool things. We have people who are like 80 years old who are stronger now than they were in their entire life, which is cool, you know. Yeah, that's... That's yeah, a huge change because years ago they would just put you in a nursing home and tell you to sit there and watch TV or something. <laughs> <laughs> would you fade out? You have some pea soup and watch TV. And now it's like people are actually doing and people stuff. Are getting, yeah. I mean, people are starting to get it. Like we, you have to just take care of your body because after like, I don't know, in your 30s practically, you start going down this slide driven by testosterone dropping, you know, which triggers loss of muscle mass. And then that triggers loss of increased body fat. And there you go with that slide. So by you training, you prevent that. Mapping. Yeah, it's about the, quality of life. Like, what's the point of being 100 if you can't do anything? Exactly, exactly. You know, you want to be in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, so, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't seem like a good option. <laughs> but we, I tell you, it, it's interesting because I, I, when I first went in this field as a strength coach, my main job was to work with athletes. But as I got more people in my practice, it really became interesting to see how much you can help someone who's um, facing getting older, right? And you never think of that as being something, but that's more than a, than a game, for God's sakes. I mean, a game's a game, but this is like you're facing like life. a scary yeah. life, you know, if you don't get your act together. So it became really interesting. And, and the older folks take it serious. The ones that are here, they take it very serious. Why would it matter? I mean, you know, because you know what the alternative is. Right. You'd be right. sitting around doing nothing. Exactly. Can't their, do their game is a big yeah. game. It's like whatever time you have left, it might as well be good time instead of just exactly doing nothing. And the and the, the kids, um, we do a lot of neat things with the kids. Um, we do a velocity based training, which measures the speed of the bar, and that really brings him to get the kids focused and centered toward what's happening in the lift and um, how to do it with proper form. And so these technologies have really helped a lot. From like we were saying from earlier, from back in the day, we had none of those technologies. <laughs> we said like weights, <laughs> put it on you. Well, you also get if if you can measure it, right? Which is what you do. Then you know yeah. where your sticking point is, because some right. people have a problem on the bottom. Some people have a top of the movement. Yeah. Usually not the middle, but, <laughs> but <laughs> it depends. But we can analyze. You it can and see, they, it. and they see it, and and, and so, so at, with the more data that we have, um, the clients really like it. If you overdo it, it's too much. But if, if we just give it to them enough to just motivate them, they they really they really go after it. You know, is there a way to? Um, well, I guess with all the data you're putting in, you definitely get to see if they're overtraining because the performance is going to drop. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so one that's thing probably we one more heart rate, right? So if we see an increase 
of 10 beats per minute in the morning heart rate, that could be a sign of overtraining. But also performance parameters, like what are happening to some, to some of the numbers in the gym, to even their attitude. Are they starting to get grumpy? You know what I mean? Uh, these are all factors that we need to look at. And sometimes we'll just we'll, we'll deload them and pull them back a little bit. Yeah, well, that was even back in before all this stuff existed, the periodization that came out of, like, the Soviet system, right? Well, the, the, the funny thing is... a hunch that, when, that would work. When I was a kid, I remember looking at the bar and saying, like, wow, I just, like, I remember I bench, like, 370 or something, but it was slow. I'm like, but the speed is different. And I'm like, does anyone look at that? And then I said, oh, there's so many scientists. I'm sure they looked at it already. And I just totally, like, moved on. Well, years later... I found out in the Soviet Union, they were looking at the speed of the bar called velocity-based training, which is what we're doing here now. And then we brought it here, and Dr. Mann from the United States, he's really went and take, taken it from the Soviet Union and brought it here, and, and we're doing great things with it, you know. But even in Westside, the Louis Simmons gym, I mean, he passed away recently. Yeah, but they were yeah, doing yeah. a lot of speed training, and no one was doing that back in the day. Yeah, he was really ahead of his time for, for yeah. not, not being involved in anything academically. You know, he did his own. Yeah, he just figured it out. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was something else. That was a big loss. Louis yeah, Simmons. interesting guy. Yeah, I, I, I read a lot of his stuff. <laughs> yeah, really he, cool he really thing. did some amazing things. Yeah. I know, I know a lot of professors end up looking to his stuff mm-hmm. uh, later on. Because it... It's your experience. If, if you keep in track of like he was and figuring, and they'll save in the mind to figure it out. It's like what right. happens with this and that. That cause and effect. You, yeah, you can't really replicate that in the lab. Well, they, well, they used to have something years ago called the suits, and um, I think it was the suits and the sweats. And so, like all of our PhDs would get together on one part, and all of our like trainers on the other part, and they would all bring up concepts. And what the trainers' part was that if we didn't create these techniques. You'd have something to research, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then these guys would research and determine if it really worked or not, you know. But uh, I don't know if they still do that anymore, you know. Well, it seems like a really – they should probably do more. If they're not doing it, they should do it because it's like you can – it's a different world. They need to be studied and combined. Otherwise, you kind of don't get the other half of the picture. Yeah, one's creating and one's kind of assessing it, you know. Mm-hmm. So – well, thank you very much. Well, thank so you. We're going to we're going to do a bunch of other ones, introducing different people, different areas of the of the performance lab. Yeah, <laughs> so. well, you know, oh, Champ, like I said, Champ is phenomenal. Um, I mean, you'll just see when he's just phenomenal. His knowledge in boxing is unbelievable. His personality, he's, he's just really. I met him at Brookdale because of COVID, and he was down there um, training somebody. I'm like, who is that? I just knew he was different. That's Champ. You know, and uh, I said, "Listen, could, would you mind if I got to, to talk to me?" Well, the guy gave me his number. I called him, and we became friends. And Champ's been working here uh, for a year now, but he's unbelievable. Michelle with yoga is unbelievable. Uh, Ryan Higgins, who does PEMF, which is post electromagnetic frequency, and he puts a, a um, it's an electric a magnetic charge into your muscle, which has a phenomenal effect on on hen healing. Ryan does that. Um, John does a lot of work with, with strength and conditioning. Um, he has uh, one girl here who he had to lose a lot of weight and get in shape. So you meet John. He's un- unreal. So the whole team is really good. They've all experienced. They've all been around. And they've done working. They've been around working with clients. Right, so we'll do a bunch of other ones. But yeah. Everyone introducing the, the area. And thank you again for giving yeah, thank you. the overall picture of the place. And we'll keep going. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Jeff.